I know this much. Today you're going to change. For better or for worse, uh, why not for better? And let's make God a part of this. Because you'll never have this day over again. Change starts today. I want to offer it to you today just one single phrase. This comes from Scripture. This is the Apostle Paul writing the church at Ephesus. Uh, chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind and compassionate. We're looking at character strengths, and this one can change the world. It's these words today. Be kind and compassionate. And I want to tell you the story about somebody who did that, and it kind of changed the world. You might recognize the word hospice, and if you're older, old enough, you might remember when that kind of didn't used to be a thing. The word actually goes way back to the Middle Ages when there would be Christians, people who followed Jesus, that wanted to create places that were safe for travelers because often it was quite a dangerous world in which to live. And then the word kind of fell by the wayside. In 1918, there was a woman named Cicely Saunders who was born in the UK. And she was kind of gangly, kind of tall, had a spine that was very painful, somewhat crooked, very difficult family life, although a lot of wealth. And it's a strange thing. When you go through pain yourself, it can either make you self-obsessed and uh, cause you to become bitter and shut off from other people, or it can open you up and make you recognize other people going through pain. And maybe I could use some of what I have been through to be helpful to other people. And that's how it happened with Cicely Saunders. She was going to Oxford. She was going to study politics and economics and philosophy but she got captured by the pain of other folks. She became a nurse. In the 1940s, she, was, she had been an agnostic, she said, but she was on a holiday with some friends, and she discovered she believed in God. And she became a follower of Jesus, became an Anglican, uh, became a nurse, and then was licensed as a social worker, and then got this vision to help people who were dying. One of her... Part of her philosophy of life was you matter just because you're you and you matter until the last moment of your life. And she saw how people increasingly were suffering in isolation, in great pain. The approach to pain management was quite different than in particularly when people were in a terminal situation, they would have to often almost be screaming in pain to get help. And she said, there is no such thing as intractable pain. There's only intractable doctors. And so she got this vision to create a place where people could be given love and care as, as well as the best kind of scientific research-based uh, medicine. And so, and then she actually fell in love with a patient that was dying. His name was David, and he had escaped from the Warsaw Ghetto in World War II. And uh, uh, out of her love for him, he ended up giving her 500 pounds, which is a lot of money then, came a dream. Hey, speaking of kindness, that's my wife. Say hi, hi to everybody. I become new. <laughs> and she says hi. Uh, where was I? Oh yeah, uh, she, she decided to start a um, community, a facility for people who were dying. And she called it hospice out of a great tradition from followers of Jesus. She named this particular one St. Christopher's because St. Christopher was a patron saint of uh, travelers. And it became a place where people who were dying could experience dignity 
and care and concern and a heart. And eventually she became one of the great people of impact in the 20th century and got uh, over a score of honorary degrees, was made a dame of the British Empire and uh, awarded by both the Anglican Church as well as by the Pope. Um, passed away in 2005. She finally married at the age of 61, and her husband also died in her care. And today, all around the world, many, many, many of us will have family members, maybe grandparents or parents who experienced hospice care. Often when you look at accounts of folks when they have died and their families expressing gratitude, they will thank hospice workers. All of that is traced to the kindness and compassion of one follower of Jesus named Cicely Saunders. So today, where can you show kindness and compassion to someone? I think of a friend of mine who just got a heart to want to be able to help um, young people who are under-resourced and now has made it possible for lots of them to go to college who wouldn't have otherwise. And then had a spouse going through just needs that are strongly present in terms of physical well-being and the care that gets extended there is the most beautiful thing to see. I think of another friend of mine who looks back when he was in high school and remembers somebody who was kind of not very popular and could easily be turned aside. And one of the things he'll often say is, I wish I would have taken her to the dance. That would have been a really good thing to do. Think about the story in the uh, Old Testament of David where he was grateful for his friendship to Jonathan, and he asked, Is there anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? And he finds out about one descendant of Jonathan, uh, a lame man named Mephibosheth. And in a very moving story, he pours out kindness to him. It's a fascinating uh, little scale. You'll be able to take a look at it now if you're looking at this on a screen. And it's called... Uh, the uh, internalization uh, of another self, where I internalize another person, I actually kind of invite them into my own sense of self, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, I care about their dreams, their aspirations, their pain. One of the most brilliant and simplest scales in all of the history of psychometric work, and it just consists of a series of seven pairs of circles and at one extreme are two circles that are not connected at all. And then two circles that overlap a little bit and then a bit more. And then where it's about 50-50 until eventually um, it's almost total overlap because there's such a deep sense of uh, I care for this person. I have internalized them into myself. Now, people who do research on this, so interesting, say that we all have a tendency to want to uh, expand ourselves to grow more competent, to expand our knowledge, to expand our skills, to expand our love and our care for other people and our joy. But here's the strange thing. Actually, in order to expand ourselves, we have to empty ourselves and make space for another person, for that person's dreams, for that person's life, for what that person is going through. And paradoxically, the more that I make space for that other person, the more I end up expanding my own self. And I think about this. There's a famous passage in the book of Philippians 
where it says about Jesus that he emptied himself. And theologians would have big debates on what did he empty himself of? Did he get rid of his omniscience or his omnipresence? And then folks would say, no, he couldn't have done that and still have been Jesus. And I think what this really is referring to is this deep truth about personhood that strangely um, the expansion of the self begins in the emptying of the self, in the making space of myself, not just for my wants, my will, my desire, my ego, but for another person. And then I grow unless a seed falls into the ground and dies. So now today, I want to invite you to live with kindness and compassion. And to do that by saying a prayer right now. So right now, uh, if you're a place where you can, you can close your eyes. I want you to think of one other person, somebody that you care about, somebody that's in your life. Maybe you know them well, maybe not. Maybe there's um, uh, somebody that you're not deeply acquainted with, but bring their face and their body into your mind and lift them into God's presence. My wife says sometimes she'll offer kind of a dandelion prayer, just just this person's name, this person's face. And you lift them up to God. God, thank you that this person exists. And then this prayer, these thoughts, God, would you bless him or her? That means uh, God, work for good in their life. Bless and keep. Keep means to strengthen their inner being, to guard them um, both from outer as well as inner dangers, protect and guide, bless and keep. Would you make your face to shine upon him or her? And God's face shining on someone is God radiant with love. So God now would you radiate your love towards this person? May you lift up your countenance upon them. You know, it's just to look right at them. God, would you watch over them today? And give them peace. And you carry that prayer in your heart today. Maybe for everybody you see, be kind and compassionate. Make your life a little hospice for the people living and dying all around you. Change starts today. Hey, it's Tim. I'm the producer here at Become New. I wanted to let you know if you'd like more resources or teaching from John, you can find it at our website, becomenew.com. Also, if you'd like to receive a text alert or the daily email that goes along with each video, let us know at becomenew.com slash subscribe. Lastly, if you need prayer, we'd love to pray for you. There's a group of us who meet each weekday, Monday through Friday, to pray over requests that are sent in from listeners. And so you can text us your prayer requests at the number 855-888-0444. We'll catch you next time.